Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have you ever wondered if you should attack your hex or help debt first before you do anything else or just let it tick away in the background? We'll have an answer for you, and we're going to unpack novated leases. So, if you're in the market for a new car, this could be an option for you. Let's go. Hey, Vince. Free money. What's not to like? Free money. Bring it on. Did you ever get some free money from the government, John? I did indeed. Nice. Took me 15 years to pay it back. Nice. Is that all? That's pretty good. I must be, I got some very expensive money for mine. Did you really? <laughs> now, um, thanks for joining us today. We do have Vince here. Many of you have always asked. Actually, I don't know why we didn't do it last year, but to talk about hex and help debt more. And uh, I thought we'd bring in Vince Scully from Life Sherpa uh, to help explain it. Uh, because any hard topics, we just get someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we touched upon it once we, or twice, we did. didn't we? We, we? we have touched on it, but yeah. I haven't really dedicated a, a full nah. kind of 15, 20 minutes to, to chat about it. If you want to grab your podcast player and search for My Millennial Money Express, hit subscribe. Uh, that podcast is launching mid-February. Or if you're listening to this as a replay in September... It was launched at the start of the year. <laughs> 2019. 2019, yes, for those playing at home. And if you want to join the Facebook group, that's where our committed listeners hang out and chat. And there's some good discussions in there, isn't there, John? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so there's good um, things that people throw up and everyone answers. And you're at risk of learning something. That's right. Yeah. There's a, there's a risk to learning something. A special thank you to Glee Coffee Roasters for supporting the show. Mm-hmm. You can jump on to gleecoffee.com.au, use the promo code M3 and get delicious beans delivered to your door. They've okay. also got a a coffee subscription and you can have coffee rock up every week if you like and you'll get 15% discount using M3. You're listening to My Millennial Money. In earlier episodes, the outro music will be way too loud near the end of the podcast. Well, we've changed that. Now the music is too loud at the start. (laughs) Georgina asks, she's a listener of the show. She's writing in. She's a graduate lawyer. Uh, Her hex debt is about Uh, $58,000. And I'll paraphrase it. She basically says, like, we crap on all the time about clearing debt before you buy a house, okay? She wants to know if that hex debt is included in that discussion and she's crunched a bit of um, of the numbers and she says, the minimum payment of hex debt for my income bracket is 5.5% and we will swing back around after this and touch on the thresholds. Uh, if she takes this option, if she takes this option, she'll be able to save for a house by October 2020 and she'll pay off hex in 2033. Um and she'll pay about $5,000 in interest over that time. Now, the maximum payments she could afford at the moment with HEX would mean that she could smash it out by June 2021, but she wouldn't be able to buy a house until 2023. Her priority is buying a home and her goal has always been to buy in 2020. However, the lingering debt goes, um, well, it weighs on her. So, mm. I guess the wash up of that, does she smash HEX or... Does she put it on ice and let the payments automatically come out of um, out of her pay? And yeah, Vince, can you solve all our problems? Thanks. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay you guys are leaving to go to yeah. the coffee yep. shop. Yeah. Um, as a general rule, I would advise people not to. But if we come back to the basics of this whole hex thing, not to what? Sorry, not to rush to pay it pay off. Pay it yeah, off. Sure. Um, this whole hex thing causes a huge amount of angst among younger people and we get so many comments on our 
chat line about yep. hex is probably the number one uh, topic of conversation among 20 and 30-somethings. Sure. And I think a lot of this is unnecessary. Yep. And it really comes because the government has insists on calling this a loan when really it's a graduate tax with a lifetime cap. Yep. And the lifetime cap is based on how much education you consume. And there's a really good reason why... Well, sorry, if you're, if you're Scott Morrison and you're trying to minimise your deficit, that's a really good thing because if he gives the uni the money and collects it out of the tax generally, it gets counted as an expense, so right. the deficit goes up. If he pretends he's lending it to you and you somehow pay it back out of tax, it doesn't count as an expense, and so his deficit looks better. Right. So that causes a huge amount of angst, and one of the big things we spend a lot of time doing is trying to get rid of that angst and say, well, look, it, it's considered as a tax and um, you know, make a few big decisions at the beginning, like how much education you're going to consume. Mm. Um, you know, do you really want to take all, you know, make sure those credits that you take are actually doing you some good yeah. um, because they're, you know, 80 credits is going to cost you about $11,000. Yeah. So you know, make sure you're picking the right ones. Yeah. And I, I guess I think it's probably worth before we, you know, talk about repaying this uh, debt or whatever we want to call it, a loan from the government uh, yeah. or free money. Um, well, it's got quite free. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing's free. I think it's like you don't just have to finish school and run into a degree if you're not sure, okay? Just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. So, that automatically doesn't mean I need to go to university, get a degree and end with 30, 40, 50 grand worth of debt that are, you know, a field that I might not be happy with. Okay, so I guess philosophically, that's a side argument, but just don't run into doing a course because you can get it funded. That's right. It's not actually free. No. Um, in general, it does result in you earning more. Yes. And so graduates generally earn more than non-graduates. Yeah. As a general rule, but obviously there's lots of graduates who don't. Yeah. It's an um, investment in yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And but but I would say as well. Um, I said kind of an, an interest-free loan because technically the government do not charge us interest Correct. on HEX or HELP. So maybe that's a good cue to wind back and go, well, how does yeah. this thing actually work? Yeah, and because what I want to do is a lot of people will stress about this. I would, ba I, I basically, after you finish listening to this episode, I want you to have all stress removed yes. from your life relating to the HEX and HELP debt, okay? So... Let's just, for argument's sake, say, and I've got my trusty calculator mm -hmm. here. And <laughs> so, let's, for argument's sake, say you've got a $50,000 HEX help debt at the end of your degree, okay? Now, at the moment, each year, the government, they don't charge you interest, but what they do, they inflate the debt each year so it's not left behind, okay? So, at the moment, the current rate is like 1.9%. Okay, so if we go $50,000 times 1.9%, that's $950. Correct. Okay, so that's if you didn't do anything. Okay, now the repayment threshold. So Georgina asks, well, she said to us that she's got about a 5.5%. Uh, where is it? Which means she earns 80 something thousand. Which basically means she earns between, well, 75 and 80,000-ish, okay? Mm. So, we know that the government will automatically garnish from your salary 5.5%, okay, of your income. So, if she earns 85 grand a year times 5.5%, that's, you know, loosely four and a half mm. grand a year. So, we know that the debt is inflating by a you know, 950 round numbers, $1,000, but she's has to pay back four and a half a year. Yeah. So, we know it's not going backwards, okay? Now, it's better to have the government doing that than going getting a personal loan at 13% and paying your hex out. Absolutely. And then trying to smash it in that way. So, I guess what I want to do is hose off any fear or worry that I'm getting, you know, it's... I don't know. Like, do you have anything to add, John, initially? Look, the, the only thing I would, I would say to that is, um, yeah, 
it's a it's a cost of doing business in my mind an investment in yourself to to get the line of trade that you want to want to do or hopefully do i mean there's yep. a lot of uni graduates that never practice the uh, mm-hmm. the trade that they've got a qualification for but yep. i think the the key is the interest rate's low 1.9% did we say yeah and where can you get a loan for a 1.9% interest rate at the moment. Yeah. Apart from the bank of mum and dad. Yes. That's right. Or, wait, if I buy a new car on 0% finance, does that count? <laughs> That's for another so, yeah. yeah, so so it's um, if there's other debt in your life, you're obviously going to clear that first, mm-hmm. the, the mm. bad debt. Mm-hmm. Um, in Georgina's case, she wants to buy property, go to town and buy property. In my mind, there's an opportunity cost if she doesn't buy, um, sure. buy property yep. or potential. Um, yeah. And uh, and as and well, like if, if you want to save and buy a home or a, an apartment to live in, the quality that that will bring to your life above renting for another five years and pumping hex mm. for the sake of it. I know what I'm choosing all day long. Now, there's a couple of little things that people might not know about hex or hell. Number one, um, and this is probably why you wouldn't rush to pay it off because if you died prematurely absolutely it's like it dies re- with you it's like reverse life insurance <laughs> yeah that's right yeah so you know if you die if you're in a relationship and there's a couple and if if your partner dies with the fifty thousand dollar personal loan the estate has to settle that debt yeah. so if they've got super that goes into the estate and not to the spouse or if you've got 50 grand in the bank technically that personal loan has to be repaid with the estate assets uh, but hex debt dies with you so that's probably a big thing if you're in a relationship you do not want to pay more hex or help than you have to in my mind because it's a risk to your estate yeah, that's a fair call um, so that's number one number two uh don't worry about paying it off in case you become bankrupt one day because it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't, it, disappear, it doesn't disappear in bankruptcy it doesn't disappear so you could go bankrupt and they mm. pay out your 50 grand loan and all this crap uh, but they'll the hex debt doesn't go away however i believe the interest or the inflation they don't add inflation to it or something during that but and the other interesting thing about it is i'm not that a bankruptcy you specialist act, you can actually get hex while you are bankrupt oh that's amazing so really? The government obviously doesn't treat it like a real loan. No. Because bankrupts aren't allowed to borrow. Okay, that's interesting. So if your life's a financial train wreck for the 1% of people listening and you want to reskill, maybe it's a good it's a time, time to, you know, go and Absolutely. get more debt. <laughs> go to uni. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's just a couple of myth busters there with the hex or help debt. Now, a lot of people say, do I need to pay down my hex or help debt when going for a loan now a couple of things um and vince you'll be old because you do the odd mortgage yep. here and then the odd one the odd one <laughs> and some not so odd yeah <laughs> vince is a financial advisor and mortgage broker lifesherpa.com.au shout out um who helps some uh, listeners of the show with their needs um if you are going for a mortgage if you had a $50,000 hex or help debt, um, it's treated differently than if you had a $50,000 personal loan. That's right. In fact, it doesn't matter how much hex you've got. It's whether or not you've got it that matters. And I believe most banks, when they look at uh, assessing you for a mortgage, and you're a mortgage broker as well, John, technically. Mm. Qualified. Qualified. Not practicing. Not qualified. practicing. It's like me. I'm a He's qualified a mortgage doctor, but I'm not a practicing doctor. I got my doctorate online. <laughs> In a conflict. Google. Probably. Yeah, Google. Um, so if you had a $50,000 hex debt, the banks would only look at the percentage that you're paying for servicing as opposed to borrowing power. So technically, if somebody had a $200,000 hex debt earning $60,000 a year, they might be able to borrow more than someone with a $200,000 hex debt but earning $200,000 a year. So I had a young couple, a member, a life shopper member, looking to buy their first home. Uh, young couple, one kid. She earns 40000 a year. He earns eighty. If they had no hex debt, they could borrow $720,000. But he's got a hex debt, and that reduces their borrowing to $665,000. Now, 
It doesn't matter how big his hex debt is. It doesn't matter whether it's $4,000 or $400,000. Yep. That impact on the borrowing is the same. Because as you said, Glenn, it, the bank looks at the cash flow. And the fact is that it's hex is a percentage of your income, not of the debt. Yes. Um, now, this was one of the few cases where I recommended they did actually pay it off. And that's because his hex debt was only $4,000. That's all he had left on. Yeah, so that's just a housekeeping exercise as well. So in that case, um, and they they weren't short of deposit. They had a big deposit and she was going to go back to work when the kid was a bit older. So they had shortage of cash flow, but plenty of deposit. And that's a good example because he might have a $4,000 hex debt on a higher income having to pay $5,000 a year which that 5000 comes off the servicing, mm. but overnight if they just transferred money and cleaned that up, mm. um, that's... Yeah. No brainer. So he was going to pay it off this year anyway. But just bringing um, it forward. But by bringing it forward by a few months and getting the payment in before July, June 1, they avoided a year's indexation yep. and allowed them to borrow. With borrow capacity. Yeah. So... Uh, As a side note, I'm amazed how expensive university degrees are these days. When this uh, Georgina said it's 58000 or something is her debt? Yeah, graduate lawyer, so I don't know if she did three years and then another top-up year of something. Yeah, yeah. she must sure. have more than that because um, three three years at a band three, which I think law is band three, would be about $33,000 starting today. Right. So um, there may have been a few extra credits. Um, or, or she may have done changed she, she degree. Have, yeah, she might have done three. a JD afterwards. Failed um, a couple of um, subjects. Yeah. Yep, potentially. You know, the only good thing, well, and actually, let's just park there. Stop bloody whinging about Australia when you... <laughs> I just get a bit philosophical. It's like the government basically say, we will give you an interest-free loan, pay back whenever, basically, um, to go and educate yourself. It's tough, isn't That's it? That's amazing. Mm. Like, And we've got listeners in America, mm. and this is manna from heaven if you're American, right? Yeah. You don't have to pay $200,000 for a degree. Now, the good thing about the Australian HEX thing, I think it's good. You can't borrow through the HEX system to fund your accommodation or income through university. Where in the States, people go, I've got a $200,000 student loan, quote unquote. Yeah, because they've borrowed sixty grand to freaking live off for the two years. Is that right? That's right, John. Yeah, yeah. So Without any income to yep, service it. Yeah. Absolutely, because they know they've got their dirty mitts on them when they get a job anyway. Yeah. Although it is interesting that it it gets huge press in the US. If you listen to any of the US equivalents of this podcast, um, it's topic number one. And yet the average student debt in the US is actually the same as the average in Australia. That's amazing. The average student debt in the US is thirty. Well, it's thirty thousand US, yeah, so, and it's thirty thousand Aussies here. Yeah, so so the average student graduates in Australia with twenty four thousand dollars of hex and six thousand dollars of credit card debt. Yeah. Well, the big difference, though, in the US, it's a real debt yeah. that you actually has real interest, yeah. and you have to make real repayments on higher interest rates. I'm sure. And as you say, it covers a bit of a range. There's a lot of people who don't have any debt, and people with hundreds of thousands of dollars a debt. Mm. And it's funny, like, because if you're in the States and you're like, okay, so a student loan company, breathe out of your mouth, please, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Just as uh, John's actually looking into getting his nose operated on. um, Are we allowed to share personal medical stuff? Uh, Do what you need. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Too much information. Yeah, that's right. TMI. Um, Yeah, if if you're an 18-year-old, you know, in the States... And you had the option to go to uni for three years, not have to work and just study <laughs> and live. Would you go, I'll take the 150 grand yeah. loan or would you take the 100 grand loan and just have to work? And this is the problem. But there's stats to show in the States that students who work part time during university do better in their results. Really? Because they've got a schedule and be more Focused intentional with their time. Yeah. yeah. Gee, there'd be some reckless outcomes, wouldn't there, when you're oh, lending two hundred K and oh. Well put this into perspective. I borrowed fifty thousand US dollars for my MBA in nineteen eighty six. Jeez. At thirteen percent interest. Wow. Wow. That's nuts. What would that be today, do you think? Hundred and fifty? Yeah. That's just nuts. Mm. 
you're rich. <laughs> you were rich. I had a lot of debt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, um, just on that, someone asked in the Facebook group uh, whether it's worth getting an MBA. Spikes on today. No, no, I just... John's <laughs> flicking my pen and I can hear it in the microphone. Uh, <laughs> I think that depends on what you're doing for a living. In the 80s, it was a licence to print money. I'm not so sure it is today um, because there's, A, more of them. Yes. And if you're not in, not working for a management consulting firm or an investment bank or you want to change career, and that was part of why I did it. So I, I had an engineering degree and did an MBA. Right. Having worked for a consulting firm. So... Yeah, yeah. I D- guess different place. I'm not sure I'd be rushing out to recommend it to my son, who's of that age. Sure. And, um, but yes, it works for some people. Yeah. If you want to work for a top tier consulting firm, it's I, almost necessary. I would probably say my sincere advice to anyone who is considering their MBA: do it after you've been in the workforce for five years. Yeah. And just get a bit of a sense of the direction. Absolutely. See, I would like to do my MBA, but it's only because I want to. It's yeah, not going to add any value That's the to key, me. isn't it? I think understanding the real why as to what you want to do. Is it just the the extra line on your resume? Is it what what's it actually for? I've got a friend Kim. She's just under thirty. Uh, worked in corporate for you know the last handful of years, and she wants to go up the corporate ladder. The MBA for her is being a good tool just to yeah. sink from that hymn sheet when yeah. she's talking to management. But also, it's a really good networking opportunity as long as she's doing face-to-face lectures and all that. So, yeah. so if, you're, if you're a lawyer or an engineer or a scientist and you want to do management, or um, it's a great conversion course. Yeah. And, and the circle of influence around you during that time would yeah. be great, I'm sure. Yeah, so that's probably our collective advice. Mm. Maybe start your career. And if it is a direction you want to go in, hey, why don't you say to your uh, employer, hey, I really w- I love the company, blah, blah, blah. I want to start my MBA because I think it would s- uh, there would be value in this organization. Can you pay half of it or can you, you know, come to the party? And obviously they would say, yes, but if you leave us within a year or two years, you have to pay it back, yeah. whatever. Um, I'm just thinking of other ways to help fund that. Yeah. I'm also not sure to recommend doing it part time. No, it's a big undertaking, but, mm. you know, some people can. Um, so, the only reason I haven't done my MBA is because I don't have enough mental space. Right. I, I thought you were going to say you didn't have enough time. No, I've got a bit of time. <laughs> yeah, st- studying while talking into a microphone is pretty tough. It is. Yeah. It is. So, that's – and then I guess any final thoughts? I think we've nailed the hex thing. Don't yeah. worry about well, it. Get on with your life. Yeah. yeah. But there's a couple of other points that are particularly important. One – to any parents listening to this? Yes. If you want to help your kids out, don't pay the student contribution. Set the money aside, preferably without telling them. Yeah. Let them build up the hex, and then they've got the money when they graduate. Um, and use it for a house deposit? Yeah, it could very well be, you know, fund your yeah. gap year or fund your house deposit or just set you up for getting started in life. Um, and the second point is, Paying it off early, A, gives you no cash flow benefits, and B, you're paying it off out of after-tax money rather than pre-tax money. So to pay a dollar off your hex in advance, if you're earning $80,000, is going to cost you $1.40 of pre-tax money, whereas letting the government take it will cost you a dollar. Yeah. So there, and now that they've abolished the discount for paying it early. Oh, have they? There's no benefit in doing it, with the possible exception of a few times where you're almost at the end, yeah, and it right. can actually make a difference to your borrowing capacity. Now, I, and I will say, there was somebody who emailed me who had a question about um, the salary sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Now, what can happen is, if you salary sacrifice or if you salary package, um, I'll use an example. You you're earning a hundred grand, and this is round numbers. You salary package twenty thousand dollars, or you salary sacrifice twenty grand to super. You your employer will pay less hex because they're only paying you on the eighty grand now. Yeah. But at the end of the year, because that twenty grand could be reportable, you may then get the bill for hex. Right. Now, because you can't get around it, 
So there used to be, remember Vince, they, like a million years ago, there used to be strategies with different, like um, if your salary sacrificed 20 grand, um, something wasn't accessible, but they cleaned it all up. Yeah, it used to come off payroll tax and it used to come off... Um, I forget what it was. Something else. Um, I know we used to do home loan sacrifices at Macquarie. Um, yeah, there was, anyway. there was a whole bunch of reasons. But you, you make an interesting point. Um, it's worth saving the extra money. Um, and some employers won't actually let you salary sacrifice while you've got a hex debt. Right. Um, some New South Wales government um, employees will find this as a problem. Um, but it is worth putting the money aside um, or if you're going to make additional payments, uh, make sure they get in before June 30. Yes. Or they'll be treated as a voluntary component and you'll still have to pay your compulsory one. Yeah. So there's a few things to think about. Um, and because this young lady, she said to me that she's got $4,000 of personal debt and her employer will salary sacrifice must be a package or something yeah. onto her debt as a, an expense. Yeah. Uh, so she was worried about, well, what do I do? Do I, how do I know? Because I'll get a bill at the end of the year. And I said, well, number one, it's you're better off by salary sacrificing, you're paying down the debt faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time 30 June comes, if there was a little hex bill of $300, you would have cleaned your debt up more. Yeah. You should be able to then, once the debt's cleared, start saving. Everything resets. Yeah, it um, can be a big number though. If you move, it can. If you move up, a, if it takes you down a a rate bracket. Yes. So if you move down from say, um, so you're earning seventy thousand, your hex contribution will be about five percent. If you salary sac- sacrifice twenty thousand, according to the withholding tables, you are now not liable for hex. Yeah. So you could actually be up for the whole five percent. So yes. it's worth calculating your what your hex would be if you took it all as salary and what it is at your salary sacrifice. You can download the tables off the tax yeah, yeah, website. Yeah. Um, so for those who appreciate lifestyle, you can continue to earn under 50 grand a year and go surfing for the remaining amount and that's right. live happily ever after and never pay a cent. And I will say as well, I've heard people say, I don't want to get a pay increase because I'll get, <laughs> you know, I'll get taxed more, I'll have to pay hex more. I would say pull your head in. Um you know, you need to go and earn as much as you can. Tax will fall where it falls. Hex will fall where it falls. It goes back to we need a, a spending plan so mm. we're not out of control, where everything's calculated. Yeah. And, you know, if there is a little bit of a tax bill and, hey, it got you by surprise, if you didn't plan, it's still good because you can do a, a payment plan with the ATO yeah. if you need to or get your accountant to put your tax return in at the last minute. It's like push saying it out. I don't it, want it to is what, because it I play capital gains tax. Exactly. Mm. It is an odd one though, because unlike any other tax any other tax, a pay increase could actually result in you taking home less if it moves you up a hex bracket. But the money doesn't disappear completely, it disappears no. off your hex debt. Exactly. So it all washes out at the end of the day. But that's one that does catch some people by surprise. Yeah. Okay, so... Good question, Georgina. Yeah, so number one, ordinarily, forget about your hex. It's okay. Get on with your life. You're not getting a a loan anywhere else for 2%. So the opportunity cost is probably too great for you to pay down additional. Yes. Uh, If you are dealing with a professional, say, a broker or whatnot, and um they say look yep you've got 10 grand left on your hex but you've got 60 grand saving or 40 grand saving it's works out better if to clean that up do that or if there's under you know 10 15 grand you do have a housekeeping thing knock yourself out do what you want but still i probably wouldn't no um almost never is the is the answer to should i pay off my hex yeah yeah but there are some important almost in there yes thank you uh, Kate has a question because um, we're going to move into uh, a little bit about salary packaging and novated leases for cars because everyone asks, should I get a novated lease? Kate asks, advice for salary sacrifice and hex help debt in government jobs, ticks and trips, and how to make sure you don't get a bill slash is it worth it? Well, I think we kind of covered yeah. That now just and Vince mentioned FBT, which is fringe benefits tax, which I'm going to address with the novated lease thing. But in in short, um, the salary packaging stuff, 
Um, look, we've got to be clear that if you're a, and I'll use the New South Wales government nurse, for example. So they might say, hey, the salary is 85 grand, or if you work for a charity or non-for-profit, but there's $16,000 that we will allow as a packaged option pre-tax to go for your day-to-day living expenses to be paid on a a loan or you've got to use it as a personal expense basically now what that does is it basically effectively grosses up the income so it's you know it might be you know a hundred grand package if you know you worked in an office and they paid you a hundred grand but it's a soft benefit so absolutely you need to take advantage of that Mm. as you know because it's there you need to use that now the do i get a bill slash is it worth it it goes back to that question about if you do tweak with your salary sacrifice or whatever you may get a little reset bill or something at the end of the first financial year and that will give you a bit of an idea of the hex liability going forward so i guess it's an unintended consequence of the government giving you an interest-free loan you know if you don't want if you don't want a hex debt pay for it yourself but don't because it's more expensive (laughs) Now, let's just let's talk about novated leases. Now, we're going to camp here a little bit. Everybody asks about novated leases, and it's a buzzword. There's tax benefits. I looked at a um, a comparison online, and they were saying it's cheaper to buy a car with a novated lease than paying with your own cash, Vince. That's true, generally. Generally, and the reason why is this. Now, ordinarily, if you're an employee, okay, you can't claim running costs of your car or purchase a car and claim the expenses, correct? Correct. However, if you use a novated lease, the lease company has a deal with the employer and you as the individual and the loan is novated over to you, which basically means you're left holding the bag. Correct. So, what a novated lease does, it allows the employer to pay for your car and all that crap that goes along with it, claim that on tax as an expense for them, which means instead of paying you 85 grand a year, they might just pay you 70 and package the rest up as the car. Okay. The issue here, why there isn't some, a couple of things. One, the GST on all the stuff can be claimed back and it should be rebated back to you. Not always. Some employees might not do that, but it should because it's a pass-through thing. But the only other difference is it goes into fringe benefits tax land. Okay. So, in some instances, the employer is paying you not with cash, but with a car, which could trigger a tax called fringe benefit tax, okay? Am I explaining this right? No. <laughs> do you want to sorry, do it? Sorry, in a word, no. Um, okay, just wait. Let's, <laughs> I, I, how do I, Okay, let's just reset. Vince. Sorry, I mean, every word you said was true. Yes. I'm just not uh, sure it gets yeah. to the, the crux of it. Yeah. Vince, can you explain <laughs> in an easy way? Well, that's why Vince is here. What a novated lease is. Right. Let's uh, let's come back to the very beginning. So, yeah, a car is one of the few areas left where there is a benefit in your employer paying for something rather than you paying for it out of money that they pay you, and that's because for a thing called fringe benefit tax, which is a tax on your employer where they spend something on you that's not really part of their business. Um, they pay tax with, and it's effectively taxed at the top marginal rate. A car um, has some special treatment under this. So the whole amount of the payment doesn't get counted for fringe benefit tax. So there is a benefit to them doing that compared to you doing it yourself, especially if you do all low, low company mileage. If you work for the government or a not-for-profit or in health, there are some additional benefits because there's a FBT exemption for up to a limit. I think it's 16000 so that means that having the company pay for your car 
or the government, if you work for the government, um, will leave you better off after tax. And that's why it works. How it's actually done is usually by what's called a novated lease. And that is where you enter into a lease and the company takes over the lease whilst you're actually working there. But when you leave, they put the lease back to you. So they're not left holding the car if you happen to leave. And that's where things start getting a bit tricky because at that point, you've got to do something. Um, But the tax benefit alone, I think, is only part of the question and it's certainly a very small part of the answer. And I think the first thing you've got to ask is, well, do I need a car and do I need that car in particular? Um, So... There's no point in taking an expensive car just because you're getting a tax benefit. Yes. And that's, that's I think, the starting point for this discussion. Yes. So if you're doing less than 5,000 kilometres a year, get a go-get membership. Yeah, but no one is doing <laughs> less than 5,000 a year. Next step is, do I need a car? And the answer for most people doing more than 5,000 kilometres a year is, well, yes, I do. And uh, See, when I worked in North Sydney, I had a novated lease through my employer um, they passed the GST back to me. It was a smallish business, uh, but they also charged me a $1,200 a year admin fee crunching the FBT, mm. fringe benefit tax. Uh-huh. So it is a little bit messy. Um, so I guess I think, I'm just wondering, let's... Can I give you a case where it's it's a really good thing to do? Yeah, yeah. so le- that's what I was going to say. Let's just actually go, when would it be a good idea to have a novated lease and when would it be a bad idea to have a novated lease? So if you want to drive a car with high operating expenses, let's say you're a four-wheel drive enthusiast and you want to buy a Land Cruiser and you have a big commute. So your personal use of the car is very high, lots of operating expenses. Um, so the bit... The, bigger the operating costs compared to the price of the car, the better the benefit. So if you're a four-wheel drive enthusiast, want to drive your Land Cruiser bush on the weekend, and you drive a long way to work, that's the big saving you're going to get. And the other proviso is that you're going to be with your employer for a long time. Yes. So coming back to my first point about do I need that car and how much you spend on the car, that is the capital cost of the car, um, is the key driver of that. So I generally like to say, well, buy the cheapest car your ego can afford, but never more than three months gross pay. So just because you can salary sacrifice is not an excuse to buy a bigger, better car Mm. because that's going to get rid of most of the benefit. Um, So if you're making $80,000 a year, you should be looking at a $20,000 to $25,000 car. And if you are otherwise going to do that and you're planning on being with your employer for a long time, then it's probably a good idea. And I think in my experience with with clients that I've worked with, the biggest mistakes been made has has been I'll go and spend fifty five grand on a car for something that looks nice and flash, but I don't do enough miles to reap the benefits back the other way. And yeah, you know, is fifty five thousand dollars half a year's pay? In that particular well, case, in like, most cases, that's what it is. makes the difference. Yeah, that's right. So it's how yeah. much you spend in the car is the biggest drive. How much you you spend and how long you keep it for is the biggest driver of your costs. And the, I guess the other downside of a novator is they tend to be shorter term. Yes. So if it encourages you to turn your car over every three years rather than every six, you may lose most of the benefit. So decision number one is, do I need the car and how long am I going to keep it for? And now can I make a novator at least fit that mode? Yeah. And just for the practicalities out there, the car is registered in your name. Correct. So you are yep. the beneficial owner. However, uh, the car is encumbered to the lease company. So, Yes, it's actually not a lease. No, it's not. It's a, it's a loan. Yep. So the, And this is why it's important to be very clear. You're not... So in America, I think, and the Americans listening, there's actual lease companies where you pay them X amount of month and you literally at the end of the lease, throw the keys back. Right. And there's no balloon, there's no anything. They own the car. The problem with that, you just get screwed yeah. because, you know, it's just they're factoring in the depreciation of the car yeah. throughout the lease and they're making money. So, as well. in my, my good friend Dave Ramsey calls it a fleece. 
in America because yeah. you're just going to get screwed. So, in Australia, it's it's essentially a loan, but the technical definition uh, to have the employer claim the expenses on your behalf, blah, 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 and be the clearinghouse for all that is, um, it is no-baited to you. Now, a couple of things, and I actually got caught one year. At the end of the year, I was uh, in deficit $1,000 with my employer for some running expenses. So that's one trap um, because, and it, it just really depends. Bigger employers, they will give everyone a card, like a fleet card, and they'll use a third-party company. Now, I guess, and I'm moving into my rant now, just because the, your employer says, oh, you've got a, a $15,000 car allowance, doesn't mean you need to go and buy a, and that's $15,000 per year, it doesn't mean you need to go and buy a brand new car um, no. and use that money. You could go, oh, that's cool, just give me $6,000 towards the car, I'll buy a little rice burner and I'll pocket the rest. You know so, what I mean? So, so do you think that companies can uh, effectively get away with paying you less on an annual basis by throwing in that company car offer or, or l- lease offer? Well, I think that's the whole point of this benefit for charities yeah. and health care workers, that this benefit allows their employers to pay, have a lower cost for the same benefit to the employer. So I think it's deliberate policy yeah. to do that. Win-win for both. Mm. Well, and as well, like, because usually everybody needs a car, usually. Um, so, so that's the big thing is, you know, if you... So, for example, you're in an organisation, it's a big company, they let everyone do novated leases. I'm just scared because what happens is these leasing companies get in there, they get the mitts on everybody, um, they charge you the $20 monthly admin fee to do all that stuff. We've got... Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little bit scared with people just getting screwed because they blindly walk in. I would probably say if you're actually serious about buying a $30,000 car, go to your freaking accountant. If your work allows you to salary sacrifice, get them to crunch a scenario of with a novated lease, you know, presuming I'm doing 20,000 kilometers a year and without and look at the bottom line. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, and spend also, the three hundred dollars for the accountant's hour. Knock almost yourself uh, out. a scare tactic of saying, "Well, if you bought that um, Ranger for sixty thousand, this is what it's going to be at the end of three years or four years yeah. in uh, and value." If you leave the, so for example, if you quit your job that you're earning one hundred ten grand on, can't get a job, you got to go get a salary for seventy grand or sixty grand. You're left holding the bag with the debt. That's right. So it's it's literally a loan and I would absolutely recommend you spend $300 with an accountant. It will pay for itself. Yep. Any professional device should pay for itself, in my view. So, I mean, my general guidance on this is if you're working for one of the special people like not-for-profits, healthcare or the government, you should probably use the rest of your salary sacrifice allowance first before looking at... A car? Yes. If you're working for someone who doesn't get those benefits, like a normal employer, um, this is one of the few real FBT benefits. Yes. But it's only a benefit if you were otherwise going to buy the car. And be careful about having to move jobs in the meantime. Yes. Um, yeah, so technically if you were earning hundred and ten grand a year with this employer and you had an ovated lease and they allowed you to... Cause I'll use the example, the company that I was working with, because it was a small business under 20 people, they literally got me a credit card in the company's name just to put all the car expenses on that card. They did charge me that fee per year to do the admin on it because it's clearly more work. Um, so if you were earning 110 grand a year with this employer, with the Novated lease, and they allowed you to package it or whatnot, if you did change an employer, uh, same salary, same, you should be able to transfer the packaging over. Um, and also the industry you're working in is, is a high-risk industry where you could lose your job overnight. Yes, and you, that's right. And obviously, again, you're stuck with that car. And remember, the car rules should always apply as Vince's kind of thing is three months' worth of gross income for the purchase price. I like to say, you know, 50% of your household income should not be tied up in motor vehicles. So if there's... Of high, high, 50% net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
uh, Vince is looking at me weird, but <laughs> so if there was a partner uh, arrangement and they both earned 55,000, uh, keep it square, 100 grand a year, the two cars shouldn't be worth more than about 25 each or 50,000 as a maximum combined. And the other thing that matters is how long you keep it for. Yes. The longer you keep the car, generally the better the rules work. And don't get sucked into having to buy a brand new with a Novator lease, uh, buy a two-year-old car with low case. I mean, there could be some lease companies where, see, and, and they'll use it as a tactic, we'll source the brand new car for you, get rates. Don't, it's smokes and mirrors and exciting. I get that. That toxic fumes of a brand new car, um, of the plastic, it's such a delicious smell. Oh, I love that smell. Soon wines, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, but just don't get fooled. Um, remember, you don't have to get a car. If you're saving for a house, you don't need a brand new car. Can't have it all. Yep. Well, I would say that it doesn't matter whether it's new or old. What's important is how much does it cost. So if you're going to spend $20,000 a car and keep it for six years, it sort of doesn't matter whether it's new or used. Um, so comparing buying a new car and keeping it for six years compared to buying a three-year-old every every two, every two three years, um, you will usually be better off with the new car. Yeah, and well, and that, but that's what I said. Like, I, I actually don't think you should buy a brand new car if you have a net worth of under a million dollars because you can't take the hit. You can't afford to take a depreciation hit. Well, that comes back to the price of the car, um, that it doesn't, that the depreciation is just part of the cost of owning a car. Sure. Um, it's no different a cost than putting petrol in. It's just a cost of ownership. Yeah. And the thing that drives the net effect on your household, inc- uh, household budget is how much did you spend for the car and how long do you keep it for? Sure. It, the, whether it's new or used actually doesn't change the numbers all that much i'm just cautious of i don't know like a lot of our listeners uh mid-20s um starting their career i just don't want people to run out and get car fever and yeah that's a common that's right but if you bring it back to the to how much you're making yes if you leave uni yeah typical graduate salary fifty sixty thousand dollars these days you should not be buying more than a fifteen thousand dollar car on those numbers it doesn't matter so much whether it's new or old or two-door or four-door. Sure. Um, but it will start costing if you change your mind after two years and want a new one. Yeah. So those two numbers, how much you pay and how long you keep it for, when you start playing with those, that's where you start cranking up the sure. real costs. So basically, yeah, if, you, yeah, if you're going to own the car for – and I know people that will keep a car for 10, 12 years. Yeah. Whatever, buy a new one, I don't care. Actually, I don't actually care what anyone does because it's not my money. <laughs> but, uh. I knew a guy who got a Lexus once. For, uh, had, had, it for, had it for about 12 months. Was that me? <laughs> I had it for two years, thank <laughs> you. Two years, was it? <laughs> no, actually, there's a different conversation when you're self-employed as well, isn't it? Like it when is. you've got claiming back the GST and um, depreciation on the vehicle, etc. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I buy German and keep it for 10 years. Yeah. German, did you say? Yes. Yeah. Reliability or usually with, usually or a, usually the cost with a, of the parts, a, a three-pointed star on the front. <laughs> <laughs> but I do keep it for ten years. Yeah. I've, I've only owned four cars in my entire life. Ten, oh, that's not bad. Oh, so you yeah. must be in your fifties, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, Got his license late. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Johnny, do you want to? Um, so I, I think we've wrapped up enough around the Novad at least thing. Yeah, it's like anything with your finances. If you're not sure, get advice. Not even from a freaking free podcast. Don't pay your accountant a couple hundred dollars to crunch the numbers. And the prob- one of the biggest problems with the whole salary package thing is you rock up on your first day at work and you're given this booklet. Of crap to sign. And- which, yeah, so you've got to choose a super fund. Yep. You've got to choose a package. You've got to choose your car. Yep. Uh, you've got to work out where the lunchroom is. It's a lot of stuff to take in. And people don't make fully informed decisions generally. So, you know, take your time. And yeah, you me, might find you don't like it after six weeks. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Start a new job and then go, no, I'm not salary packaging anything. Just pay me the, you know, whatever. I just need to get yeah. settled. And then a couple of months in, go, right, now let's, I've got my head around it. Um, let's now move forward. Like a lot of people ask me, oh, should you, should I get a, a Novator lease or a, 
I hate. I not on day one. No. And for me, I'm not an accountant, so I can't crunch it for somebody. It's all too confusing. I literally paid mm-hmm. an accountant to crunch it for me. And all day long, the net effect was cheaper than not doing a novated lease. In most cases, it will work out cheaper than doing exactly the same thing with cash. Yes. But you still come back. Is that the right purchase? Don't worry about the funding. Yes. Work out is that the right is that the purchase right, and then work out. How yeah, to because fund the funding it. will sort itself out. Yeah, yeah and always it's a does. case by case always, isn't it? Because you might be wanting to do something else yep. with that cash. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there, John. Can you Lee? Can you read a couple? Of, there's three reviews there. Sure. Yes. Love this real talk about money without the wankiness. Good host. Are we to say that on podcast? I think so. Uh, Are you going to lose your G Beth, rating on Beth, Beth Glee said it, so I'm just repeating what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Good hosts, informative, fresh, and a bit silly. Ooh. Must be referring to mm. you oh, that on could, that one. That must be Glenn. Yes. Glenn, I think. Uh, quality, engaging conversation, makes thinking about money less painful from Joshua T. Thank you. And the last one, yes, great. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn and team, for making the podcast. Love it. Love the banter and advice by Tamara Taylor. Tamara from Tamarama. Maybe. Could so, be. Thanks, guys. Thanks Keep it for, up. Um, for that, Vince. That was good. And uh, you, Vince. you can find Vince online at lifesherpa.com.au and on Instagram at mylifesherpa. My life Sweet. All right. And on Facebook at mylifesherpa. Nice. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Gator Proprietary Limited, trading a sort your money out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. And never pay a cent. And I will say as well, I've heard people say I don't want to get a pay increase because I'll get... <laughs> You know, I'll get taxed more. I'll have to pay hex more. I would say kill yourself. No. <laughs> yeah. that, is a, that is a tough one because... You no, can't... let me just do that. I'm not going to say that. I would say pull your head in. Um, yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 